good morning to you and welcome to the papers for Thursday, February 1st, 2024. February has arrived, it's here. Hope all is well with you. It is cold, very cold in fact, and a bit damp here in Salford. But look, we're into February. Going to go straight to the front pages of the UK dailies, as is the style of the papers. So let's do it. The Guardian. There is a photograph of wee Jimmy Cranky. It never gets old. It never gets old. Referring to Scotland's former First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, as wee Jimmy Cranky. She's a spitting image of her, of Janine Ruff, the real Jimmy Cranky, who's a lovely lady. I don't know if you've ever watched a film on, not a film, a television series on the BBC, I think, I think the title of the series is The Real Marigold Hotel, where British celebrities, who are now OAPs, go out to India, not just India, but also the Far East, but India predominantly, and travel around the country to determine if retiring in India might be more suitable than retiring in the UK. It's a beautifully made television series because they chose the OAP celebrities really well. And um, stars of the series were were Ian and Janine Ruff, who were Jimmy Cranky, really, the the Crankies. And uh, yeah, it's a great series. I think you can probably still find it on the BBC iPlayer. Did I say I was going to look at the front pages of the UK dailies? All right, then. As I said, Sturgeon is wiping away a tear in a photograph on the front page of The Guardian. Sturgeon admits errors in handling pandemic is the headline. She gave testimony in Edinburgh to the UK COVID inquiry in front of Baroness Hallett. And she cried and she said, there are times when I wish that I wasn't the first minister during the pandemic. Did Sturgeon, you might remember Sturgeon cackling with glee like the little bastard that she is when announcing, you know, one restriction after another throughout 2020 and lockdowns. She got off on it, Sturgeon. I I can't prove that, but to, to this day, looking back at the videos of her briefings, it seemed to me that Sturgeon was getting some sort of perverse sexual pleasure from telling people that they had to curtail their lives in order to stop the spread of a harmless virus. Also on the front page of The Guardian, MPs demand £4 billion bailout for councils in cash crisis. Yes. Every paper, or more or less every paper, has a photograph of Cranky, so we won't mention her again. The Daily Telegraph front page, post office hero turns down derisory payout. And this is about Alan Bates. Okay, the sub-postmaster, celebrated by the recent ITV drama, the man credited with leading postmasters and postmistresses, leading their cause. The many hundreds of them who were wrongfully convicted of fraud because of the Horizon software, which um, led initially led the post office to believe that its um, sub-postmasters and postmistresses were robbing them blind, but of course they weren't. Anyway, the headline and the story in the Telegraph is the, compensa- the compensatory offer, the compensatory offer made to Alan Bates, he said it's derisory. In fact, he says it is about one-sixth uh, 
what he what what he asked for. He asked for six times more than they're offering him. It's the Daily Mail. Here's an exclusive in the mail, but it's in all the papers today. I suppose that's what the online papers do now. They they steal stuff. They 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 rinse and repeat stories in other publications. I've been driven out of politics by death threats for supporting Israel is the headline on the front page of the Daily Mail. Which MP says he has been forced out of politics because of his support of Israel? Well, it's the Conservative Party MP, Mike Freer. Now, Mike Freer's constituency is Golders Green. You might know Golders Green. In London, it is a Jewish area, or an area which has a lot of Jewish people living there. So it's probably unsurprising that Mike Freer has been very pro-Israel in his views. I would be. <laughs> if I was running for election in Golders Green, now of course I wouldn't be. You know that. I wouldn't be running for election. But if I was running for election, I suppose, and I didn't know the things I know now, I'd probably be courting the Jewish vote because most voters in Golders Green happen to be Jewish. But he says he was advised, and he has been wearing a stab vest, and uh, he's been subjected to a campaign of death threats and intimidation because he supports Israel. As the Daily Express, by the way, nobody should be threatening the lives of anybody or intimidating them because of their views. No matter how disgusted you might be by his support of Israel and Israel's genocide in Gaza, you become that which you purport to hate, in my opinion, when you start threatening people's lives and intimidating them in that fashion. Don't be that person. I would say to anybody listening to this programme who might support death threats against him or other MPs, no, that is not the way. It is not the way. Not in the opinion of this rather bald broadcaster. The Daily Express, 5,600 migrants identified for first Rwanda flights. This is becoming so fucking boring, excuse my language. This Rwanda flight saga, the government's plan to take asylum seekers who arrive in the UK and fuck them off to Rwanda. (laughs) A safe country, apparently, even though the UK has recently taken in Rwandan people running from Rwanda. It's crazy. I'm just going to leave it there. The headline gives you the whole story. Excuse me. They have a list now of... um, migrants in the UK they want to send off to Rwanda but the House of Lords might have other ideas so the plans the legislation passed the House of Commons but now it must go through the Lords where it might run into trouble the Daily Metro crossbow stalker scandal I didn't cover this on the Richie Allen show because it's a crime story that doesn't have any relevance to the bigger picture or the Great Reset but it's a story about a man who was shot dead by the police in London. He'd been running around threatening people with weapons, including a crossbow. The man's name is Bryce Hodgson. He's 30 and he was a convicted stalker. It sounds like the guy was barking mad and it sounds like he was let down somewhere along the line. I'm not condoning stalking, of course. You know, it's a terrifying crime, stalking for the victims of it. Awful. 
But the man's running around with weapons and a crossbow. He's obviously not the full shilling. And now he's dead, when maybe he could have gotten help somewhere along the line. The Sun leads with a celebrity story. It has a photograph of Claudia Winkleman, who is in the Guinness Book of Records for having the longest and most enduring fringe in the history of haircuts. Terrible presenter, Winkleman. I don't like her at all. I I don't know why she leaves me cold. Um, Apparently ITV want to lure her from the BBC with a lot of money. I don't know why you'd want to do that. Winkleman is not great, but that's just a subjective opinion. Maybe there are those who think that Winkleman is the greatest thing to, you know, the greatest gift to presenting since Terry Wogan, maybe. I don't know. The Times headline, Get Back to Basics, Police Told. Every election cycle, either the incumbent, either the party in power, or the opposition claim that they will get back to core policing and that they'll put bobbies on the beat in communities. It is monumental effing bollocks. It is in every manifesto. It has been in every manifesto since Jesus was a young lad running around Nazareth. And it never happens because it isn't meant to happen. Policing in the future will be drones. We've already got them in Salford. Did I mention this? Of course I mentioned it on the Richie Allen show. You can see drones in the early AM, three or four of them spread right across Salford, hovering around, operated by Greater Manchester Police. No consent, by the way. Nobody's been asked if it's okay for drones to be flying around, filming them and photographing them. It's just, it's just happening. So forget about bobbies on the beat. It'll be drones flying around neighbourhoods in the near future. And maybe Boston Dynamic Robocops, maybe, as well. Look it up if you don't know what Boston Dynamics Robocops are. There's a Daily Mirror. Headline is Change the Law. What's this about on the front page of the Mirror? Well, it's a campaign launched by the paper and the campaign has been named Just for, excuse me, Justice for Our Daughters. The Mirror describes its bid to stop domestic violence killers being jailed for a decade less than other murderers. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. If the, the blokes who murder their partners, their, their, their female partners, um, get on average 10 years or spend 10 years less in jail than other murderers. That is concerning if that's true. So the Mirror is leading a campaign to have the law changed. The Financial Times has a photograph of Elon Musk on the front page. Uh, Musk pay blow $55 billion setback for Tesla. Chief Musk, who doesn't draw a salary at Tesla, was given a bonus of $55 billion um, by the company. One shareholder didn't like this, complained about it, and a judge ruled that the bonus is excessive. You fucking think so? $55 billion? I'd say it's excessive. That's just me. There's the Daily Star headline on the front page, Throwing a sickie is good for you. Throwing a sickie is good for you. The Daily Star claims that pulling a crafty sickie at work is good for people because it helps to reset people and to avoid burnout. (laughs) So throwing a sickie is not the worst thing in the world you can do for your health. But my experience is most people throw a sickie when they've been on a bender the night before. And they're pissed right up. So 
maybe maybe it isn't that good for you. I don't know. Anyway, shall we go inside the papers? Well, that's what we do. Today is February 1st, 2024. And my name is Richie Allen. You're listening to the Papers Podcast. Thank you for listening to it. You might, if the mood takes you, you might share it around your social media. But uh, maybe that's a waste of time because shadow banning is, uh, well, it's an Olympic sport now, isn't it, between the, the social media company providers. Anyway, Express talked about this quite a bit recently. Actor turned politician Lawrence Fox now suing man who called him racist online. So Lawrence Fox is suing a man according to the sorry the High Court has heard the actor is taking legal action against Mukhtar Ali Yassin accusing him of libel following a row on Twitter in May of last year. Fox has been represented by Ben Gallup. He told the High Court that Mr Yassin had made seriously defamatory allegations of racism against my client that are bare comments. Yassin is defending the claim. This is very interesting. Because Gallup said the man Yassin made seriously defamatory allegations of racism against my client. But he didn't make these allegations to a third party. Yassin said to Fox in a conversation on Twitter, you are a racist. Now that doesn't fit the strict that doesn't fit the or follow the strict criteria for libel. Libel is when you use your platform or a newspaper or a TV show or a radio show to accuse somebody of something. You know, essentially behind their back without giving them advance warning or notice or without offering them right of reply or of course most importantly or providing any evidence to substantiate your claim. But saying to somebody's face, you might argue that saying it on Twitter isn't saying it to somebody's face, but it is really if you're having a conversation with them, and they are responding to you. Saying that he's racist, it's hard for me to understand how it could be libel. I'm not saying I believe Fox is racist. Fox, I don't know anything about Lawrence Fox. I interviewed him once, but I don't know whether he is or whether whether he isn't racist. I do still find it absolutely... Uh, it's inexplicable to me that Fox himself could be found um, to have libeled a drag queen who he said was a paedophile in a conversation on Twitter where the drag queen had first of all accused him of racism. I just don't understand any of this. It's interesting. I think they're setting legal precedents which are very dangerous. That is what I think. You know, if somebody's having a go at me on Twitter and I'm having a go back and I think that you know, things he's tweeted in the past or said might be xenophobic or, 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 or racist. And I say to the, directly to the person, well, you're a racist. Can't see how that's libelous because there is a conversation in progress anyway. Fox is a curious character, isn't he? The Daily Mirror, do you own a XL bully dog, do you? Those XL bully dogs are massive in the head and massive in the shoulder and they are capable of extreme damage. But I don't know what to think about the, the, the dogs. I see them around Salford from time to time and they are usually walking with a complete and utter fucking idiot. You know, a wannabe gangster. A scumbag, essentially. I don't see nice people with XL bullies. I see idiots with them. But anyway, look, the dog, the breed has been banned. But it's a bit more complicated than that. 
Dogs that look like XL bullies have been banned. Look it up. It's a very strange one. They haven't banned the breed. They've banned the type. Do you get what I'm saying? And I heard the discussion about this on the BBC yesterday morning. It's the type, not the breed specifically. But anyway, it's now a criminal offence to own an XL bully type dog in England and Wales without an exemption certificate. So if you have one and it's unregistered, it'll be taken from you and you could be fined, prosecuted and the dog could be destroyed. It's also the law now, if you own a XL bully type dog, it must be muzzled outdoors and on the lead at all times. Apparently 40,000 people have registered the dog ahead of the deadline, which is the afternoon, which was the afternoon of yesterday. So yesterday, January 31st, the XL bully, it's a big old fecker. You wouldn't want to get into trouble with an XL bully. Telegraph then covers the story on the front page of the Daily Mail. And that is the Tory MP Mike Freer will quit frontline politics after death threats. Now he says, does Mike Freer, that he feels lucky to be alive because he narrowly escaped a meeting in 2021 with a man called Ali Harbi Ali, who you might remember later murdered the MP Sir David Amos. He walked into David Amos's constituency office when he was meeting um, constituents and neighbours and the guy stabbed him to death. And this guy, Freer, says, I was lucky not to have been killed by this guy. He claims that his constituency office um, was, was um, that somebody tried to set fire to it last month, or I should say December. So this guy, uh, who's 63, who's given an exclusive interview to the Daily Mail, all the papers are covering it, he said he's been subject to a decade of intimidation and there was an arson attack on his constituency office in December. The family have said to him, step down, it isn't worth it since October 7th. And then Israel's response to it, to the Hamas attack in southern Israel, the guy says he's been uh, threatened, his life has been threatened because of his support of Israel. Yes. The Telegraph, France, tractor protests, dozens arrested as farmers break into huge Paris food markets. So, Talked about this on the papers yesterday, covered it on the Richie Allen Show yesterday too. The blockade of Paris by French farmers driving tractors and big old lorries. And they're doing it in protest at EU-driven, it must be said, environmental rules which are changing farming and ultimately leading to farmers finding it much more difficult to make a living as their output uh, is basically reduced. They are uh, having. They are being told that they must reduce, th- that they must put set aside a certain am- amount of their land. Four percent of their land must be fallow for rewilding, and they must reduce their herd sizes, all in the name of reducing their carbon footprint to offset or to fight back against climate change. So they've blockaded Paris. This is happening elsewhere in Europe too. And last night, dozens of them were arrested as they stormed a wholesale, wholesale even, food market, which is known as the Belly of Paris. And it feeds 12 million people daily. You might have read about this before. It's called Paris's Fridge, it's often known as. Um, so the government, Emmanuel Macron's government, had warned farmers who had set up the blockade of Paris not to approach airports or this market, which is called Rungis. Uh, 
don't block Rungis, the world's largest fresh food market, or we will uh, retaliate, said the government. The government has retaliated. A lot of people were arrested last night trying to break into the sprawling site where the market is uh, situated. As the Telegraph witnessed the action of the farmers as the protesters briefly entered a storage area, they insist they caused no damage. And what made me laugh about the story this morning was the Telegraph quoted some farmers and they turned out to be Irish. (laughs) The Irish are everywhere. There are 5 million people living in Ireland. There are 150 million Irish people living abroad, or so it seems. So the Telegraph caught up with two brothers, Thomas and Thomas, I should say, and Porrick Hegarty. Born in Ireland, but they run a goat and cattle farm in the central Limousine region. So two Irish farmers were, um, were, were caught up and were arrested near the food market. And they said, we're here to protest against EU regulations like the Green Deal and French regulations. It's too much paperwork and far too restrictive. We cannot produce enough anymore to make a living. And that's the French farmer story. Yes, the Times, the front page story was James Cleverly demands more police on community beat to restore trust. Again, I've said it already. It's one of those, it's in every manifesto. More core policing to return with visible officers out there in their uniforms walking a beat where they can interact with the community, where they can hear with their ears to the ground what's going on. And, you know, that visible presence then should be a deterrent to some criminals, but also should help with intelligence gathering in the neighbourhoods. It won't happen. They promise it, as I said, every election cycle. Drones are the way forward. Here's an interesting story in The Guardian. Nottingham Forest City Ground held a meeting last night. Players and Harvard academics showed up to discuss racism in football and what we must do about it. So Thierry Henry, French legend, Arsenal legend, Lillian Thuram, another French legend, Viv Anderson, great, great footballer, Viv, Nottingham Forest, of course, and Arsenal and Manchester United and Middlesbrough later, and Anthony Alanga, who plays for Nottingham Forest, are among a number of prominent footballers, past and present, to have signed a pledge committing themselves to publicly push for racial equality in football. There is no lack of racial equality in football, according to this broadcaster. This is bollocks. The statement committed, so they had a conference, right? And then they all signed a document, Harvard academics and footballers, past and present. Their statement committed the signees to use their platforms and influence to demand an end to racism in their sport. Bollocks. So they cite a couple of examples over the last um, few months where in Italy and in, in, uh, in, in, in one particular game in England, when, when some people, and when, when we say some people now, we mean one or two people, um, made monkey chants and gestures at players of colour, which, which led to the teams leaving the pitch in protest. And they go on to say all of this has to change and all of this old bollocks when there isn't any racism in football. They say that fans must be educated. 
Right, I've been to League 2 to watch Salford. I went for an entire season. I travelled away with Salford as well. Never heard any racism, never saw any racism. I go to watch Manchester United regularly, pretty much every home game. There's no racism. There's none whatsoever. This is bollocks. This is just the latest in a long line of campaigns to change something which actually doesn't exist. And it, it goes far deeper, you know, than, than it just being a bunch of confused ex-footballers, you know, jumping on a bandwagon. It goes far, far deeper than this. It's the gaslighting, really. It's one method. It's one um, way of gaslighting, gaslighting entire populations. You know, you are so very bad. You, 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 you need to be changed because you, whether you like it or not, you're homophobic, to admit it or not, but you're homophobic, you're transphobic, you're racist. You're not a good person. You need to be changed. It's nonsense. There's no evidence to support it. And it's preposterous that a footballer can claim, as some of these footballers claim, that it is devastating for them. You know, life-changing. To see a bloke, a drunk bloke, one bloke standing near a tunnel making monkey gestures. How weak and how pathetic you are as a black man if this somehow, you know, reduces you to a quivering fucking mass on the ground and that you need to be protected and that the entire society needs to be educated. Listen, if you see a guy making a monkey gesture, if you can make it, if you can make it before you're stopped, leap over the advertising hoarding in the style of the great Eric Cantona, and smack the piss out of the guy making the monkey gestures. If you can't do that, laugh in his face and move on, is my opinion on that. I'm getting tired of it, to be honest. Also in The Guardian, Generation Z boys and men more likely to be... Let me read it again. It's very early. Generation Z boys and men more likely than baby boomers to believe feminism is harmful, says Poll. So a poll of 3,600 people has found that one in four UK males aged 16 to 29 believe it is harder to be a man than a woman and a fifth of those polled now look favourably on the social media influencer Andrew Tate. <laughs> right. So these boys and men believe it uh, that, that feminism has done more harm than good. What else do they believe? The Guardian takes great pleasure in reminding us that Tate, a British-American former kickboxer with nearly 9 million followers on Twitter, is facing charges in Romania, which he denies of human trafficking, rape and forming a criminal gang to sexually exploit women. Uh, Tate has boasted about hitting and choking women and said absolutely he is a misogynist. Of course, Tate is a distraction, isn't he? Tate is a shill in every sense of the word and uh, I can't really say any more about him. The poll found that Jordan Peterson is seen favourably by 32% of 16 to 29-year-old men compared with 12% among women. So all these men saying feminism, fem, feminism is a bad thing. King's College London did the poll. And it reminds me of research I discussed on the programme the other day, research by John Byrne Murdoch. I discussed this on the Richie Allen Show, where he found that there is a real disconnect between young men and young women. And this is widening 
with young women more likely to have a liberal approach or have a liberal attitude to affairs, um, geopolitical affairs and whatnot, whereas men are tending towards conservatism or the alt-right or even the far right. And he put it down to what it is they are exposed to constantly on social media. And he said it's a dangerous thing. He wasn't calling for censorship because he said with this widening disconnect, you're going to see it more become more difficult for young men and young women to form physical relationships, relationships out and about in the field, out in public, because they're increasingly spending their time online and their opinions are being informed by echo chambers online. Interesting research, whether you agree with it or not. It is interesting. Here's one in the iPaper. Zuckerberg apologises to families targeted by social media abuse during Child Safety Senate hearing. You might have seen this. You might have heard some of the sound bites from it. A Meta CEO, Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, apologised to the families of children who have suffered abuse on social media platforms. He said, did Zuckerberg, I'm sorry for everything you've gone through. Um, He turned to the audience to face them, some of them holding up placards and photographs of their loved ones. He said, nobody should have to go through what your families have suffered. This is why we've invested so much and will continue industry-leading efforts to make sure nobody has to go through the types of things your families have suffered. He was grilled in the in, in in this hearing, particularly by Senator Josh Hawley, a Republican from Missouri, who repeatedly asked Zuckerberg if he planned to or if he'd already compensated people who had been abused on social media and if he had compensated their families. He um, berated Zuckerberg and said, you've done nothing to help them, nothing to compensate them, nothing to put it right. I asked the question time and again on the Richie Allen show, where do we draw a line in the sand and where do we say, well, here is how responsible the social media companies should be. These are the things they need to do to make sure the children are not exposed to harmful material. But also, where is the responsibility of the parent? You see, and ultimately where this is going, you can draw a comparison here with the video nasty movies of the 70s and 80s, when the censor in the UK, the British Board of Film Classification, when it wanted to ban films outright. And and it often said, well, we can't risk these films being viewed by, by minors. You know, silly shock horror movies like The Driller Killer and... Um, one, one, one about one about a woman who was raped, which was famous. I spit on your grave. So you can draw a comparison here. So what they really want to do is they want take they 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 want to have the power. Governments want the power to to censor social media whenever it decides that it is appropriate to do so at any time, day or night, and say this material must be removed because it might be harmful to children. But of course, if the material is removed, I, as a, you know, as a intelligent, educated, smart, discerning adult, I won't be able to see it either. And why should I not be able to see it? I'm discerning. I'm bright. I know what's real and what isn't real, what is true and what isn't true. Surely I can make that determination for myself. But they're saying no. 
And that's what it's really all about, because don't believe for a minute that Senator Frawley, or Hawley, as his name is, Hawley, from Missouri, really gives a shit about children. What he was doing in that hearing yesterday, when he was berating Zuckerberg, was he was basically grandstanding. It's not about protecting children. They don't care about children. It's about censorship. And I'm going to finish with this one. It makes me laugh. Rolling, this is in the Times, rolling your eyes is a microaggression, civil servants told. Civil servants have been taught that rolling their eyes or looking at their mobile phones can be evidence of sexual or racial discrimination. And so they have been trained to nod their heads to promote transparency and inclusion. The public workers were being encouraged to spot microaggressions, innocently, innocently intended gestures or words interpreted as showing hostility to women or minorities. More than £160,000 has been spent by the government since 2021 hiring private sector consultants to train staff to see these perceived slights the Times has discovered. Feedback from trainees was scathing. Most respondents said the training didn't meet their objectives, didn't enhance their knowledge, they did not feel they could apply what they had learned to their work and wouldn't recommend the sessions to others. Fantastic. The Education and Skills Funding Agency, a government body, has spent more than a grand £1,000 per worker on microaggressions training. Would you believe it? The decision to use public money for such training is surprising since academics accept there is scarce research into whether such interventions reduce microaggressions in the workplace. Of course, the microaggression is in the eye of the beholder, of course. It's where the minority, uh, either a racial minority or a sexual minority, you know, like a trans person, it's, in the, it's, it's, it's what they perceive to be a slight. You know, he doesn't like trans people. How do you know? Well, it's the way he looks at me. Has he said anything? No. Has he intimidated you in any way? Has he ignored you? Has he refused to work with you? No. No, it's the way he looks at me. I don't think he approves of my transness. And this is where it's going. Look, I've been with you too long. That's it for the papers. Thank you for listening to the papers today. I've been Richie Allen. You and I might talk later on at four. Well, I'll be there at four o'clock UK time. For the Richie Allen Radio Show Thursday's edition. So in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Have a good day, eh? All right, speak soon. Bye.